Hello and welcome to On The Button, the video marketing podcast. Today I'm chatting to Luke Richardson. He's Director of Brand and Comms at Plio. Now Plio are an exciting fintech. If you want to find out more about their business, then go visit Plio, that's P-L-E-O dot I-O. We cover a number of really interesting things in the podcast. The thing that stands out to me though is um, the case study that he talks about where they've used video really effectively and achieved some fantastic results. Hopefully you'll enjoy it and you'll learn something you can take away and start making a difference to the content that you're making straight away. Luke, thanks so much for joining me on today's podcast. I really appreciate you um, sparing the time to talk to me. Uh, many people will have heard of Plio, some may not. It would be great to get an introduction uh, as to who you are and your role at Plio and maybe just a few lines about who Plio are. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Simon. So Plio is a business spending solution for forward thinking teams. That means that we basically handle all forms of spending within a business, uh, whether it's your your mileage claims, your paying for software, like what we're recording this on right now, um, travel, you name it, any kind of spend, you can you can do that through Plio. And um, I've been in the company for just shy of two years. I'm the director of brand and communications based out here where our headquarters is in, in Copenhagen, though from the UK originally. And um, we have 300 plus people in the company and we're growing quite rapidly now coming out of the, the fog of COVID. So around like 30 new people joining uh, every month, which is very exciting. Wow. And I assume then you um, you operate globally, is that right? Not quite globally just yet, but you know, I'm, I'm sure that we have those aspirations. We're in six markets currently, the UK being probably our biggest. Then we're in Germany, Denmark, of course, where we're headquartered, Sweden, Spain, and Ireland for now. So obviously you're, you're a fintech. Um, does that present unique problems? Uh, we work in finance a lot and we have to deal with compliance and all those kinds of things. Is, is that something you have to deal with in your role? Uh, not specifically in my role, but it's obviously something that's kind of baked into being a financial services company. And, you know, quite similar, funnily enough, like with the question around, you know, you run it operating globally, that's probably the single biggest challenge within a financial services company, right? The level of compliance and legalities for launching of new markets, uh, anti-money laundering checks and so on. It kind of makes those things a little bit harder to uh, to climb um, or to, to that hurdle to jump over. But for me specifically, um, no, I, I guess I'm relatively sheltered from from that aspect. So what does your role involve on a day-to-day basis then? Yeah, so I'm basically heading up the in-house brand and communications team that we have. We're around 15 people at the moment, and we sit within the sort of broader marketing team in the company. Some of us are over here in Copenhagen, some in our offices in, you know, London, Berlin, Stockholm, Madrid, and then some that are remote. And um, we kind of have it split into three or four different parts. We've got our brand design team. Uh, led by our, one of our art directors and we have four people underneath him and they're responsible for typically you know like illustration some motion work like very aesthetically led uh, efforts then we have a small videography team that kind of works across many different departments and people but that's two people sitting there accountable for you know everything from uh you know recording to to editing to color correction and so on then we have uh, what I think is probably a little bit more distinct for us, um, what we call the kind of creative production team or creative production unit. And these guys are creative producers and they are accountable for our performance-based marketing efforts. So the the ads that you will no doubt be targeted with if you visit our website. So the stuff that you'll find on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and so on. 
And then lastly, we have a uh, content team as part of that piece as well. And these are three copywriters that sort of set the overall uh, sort of tone of voice direction globally, but then of course work very locally as well um, with uh, the uh, content producers that we have in each of the markets. Wow. Okay. Sounds hectic. Um, tell me a little bit more about the video side of things then. It's interesting you say you've got your own team there. Um, I know that some some polls we've done recently show that I think it's about 40% of certainly large organizations tend to have an internal team as well as using an external agency. Can you tell me about why you've chosen to bring so much of, these, so much of this in-house uh, yeah. rather than outsourcing it? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it's specific to video, but, um, you know, for, for me, what was really important for joining Plio, and this is kind of the mandate for joining as well, that I think we have the opportunity to build a really strong in-house team. Now, that doesn't necessarily negate the uh, the need uh, for external support as well. You know, I, th- I think you'd be blinded if you just took one route or the other these days. So for us, what I'm hoping for is that we can um, start with a point of where we are now, where we are we have a good internal team and that really helps support like the um the brand equity i guess you could say like building up uh like a reputation and standard and set of a set of practices that really permeates across the whole business not just in brand and marketing efforts and then we'll be working with agencies for those more like tempo efforts you know the stuff that is like uh more campaign driven um but hopefully over time the idea is that we broaden that gap you know uh sorry not broaden we we bridge that gap and, you know, what I would really take as a strong inspiration is if you look at a company like MailChimp, taking that principle as well, you know, learning from people within, uh, you know, with lots of expertise uh, from different agencies, and then ultimately trying to bring in as much of that talent in-house as well. Yeah, great. So, I mean, certainly it's, I guess it's finding that balance and understanding that the whole hero help hygiene approach that, that I talk to people about sometimes and understanding where different content fits in that process and what's worth investing in and and what maybe you, you spend a little bit less time or budget on. How do you go through that process? How do you decide where you should spend the resource on on content? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first of all, you know, this is probably quite common for many uh, sort of brand marketing departments at this point, but we have a weekly sprint planning sessions where we basically get, you know, multiple uh, requests every week from the broader company. Uh, where brand effectively works as a service for sales teams, for CX, for product and so on. So we have a lot to get through uh, to sort of figure out whether it's uh, something we need to prioritize, how big that project might be. And then, of course, the resources that pull into that, whether that needs to be um, something kind of quick and dirty. so like an extra small project. You can do that in an afternoon or something a bit more strategic, a bit more longer term, whereby, you know, potentially one month plus and you might actually require some of that external support. So we assess that on a weekly basis and, um, you know, the, the budgeting, we have a sort of independent budget from the broader marketing budgets, which means that we have a certain degree of accountability on, um, you know, placing slightly bigger bets potentially. And that's something that we haven't necessarily done during the process of, you know, the year that we've had recently, um, where it's fair to say, I think we've been in a certain degree of hibernation, but now feeling like that, that kind of mist of COVID is hopefully, um, you know, Distribute uh, dispersing uh, it means that we get the chance to you know play some of those bigger bets as we come into the summer and then out of it as well um you've talked about bigger bet sets can you talk me through some of the kind of content that you're making in regards to video yeah sure i mean this is stuff that's very much like a work in progress so there's a certain degree of um confidentiality that i need to keep on this for, for right now 
but um you know we we do have those aspirations of doing tv work and um, i'm not really sure what that looks like just yet but hopefully we'll get to a point within before we hit the end of the year where we're doing that at least in some of the markets how we do that i have absolutely no idea yet so it's going to be an exciting summer trying to figure that out um but we also see like the opportunity for like slightly less like linear approaches for presenting video. And we do quite a lot of um, video directly to pre-existing customers as well. So that's something that we want to scale and, and provide more resources for. Fantastic. What about measurement then? Because obviously, you know, you talked about TV there uh, and measuring TV is very different to probably measuring the other channels that you're using at the moment. Um, do you measure effectiveness of the video content that you're producing? And if so, how, how do you go about that? doing that yeah sure i mean i should clarify we, we haven't done any sort of forays into tv just yet right so i think we will have a very steep uh, education or learning curve uh, when we eventually get to that um but as i said i think like based on the sort of principles that we have uh, set by our cro chief revenue officer arun um like we we know that we need to place some of these bets and uh not all of them are going to land but ultimately that's that's really how you establish like that bigger brand awareness and equity right by placing some of those potentially viral efforts that you can be uh, launching but what we've been doing previously within video um you know it, it depends on if it's something commercially driven or more directly to consumers or customers that we already have but um we are looking a lot into like the attribution that we can do and and video is actually a lot easier than it would be for example the out of home efforts that we're also planning um you know have using something like tv squared for example uh, having the pixel added to your website these things are relatively well trackable now so i'm not too concerned in the sort of tv or video space as i would be for you know the bus uh, takeovers and the you know the stuff that you can see for example right now Klarna is doing a B2C brand in, in in London starting from this week those campaigns I think are a little bit harder to attribute but you have to look at this from the bigger picture of like everything that you're doing within the marketing space and understanding how all of them kind of contribute towards that eventual like demand or lead generation that we're driving. Have you got a campaign that stands out for you that you've done um, you know preferably around video that has been particularly effective um and um, why might that have been do you understand why that might have been yeah sure um there's one thing that we did which it's totally fine if you haven't seen that it's something very niche to uh, to sweden it's uh, in the swedish language so that's one of our markets and um this is something that we kick-started oof, i mean maybe like nine ten months ago um we basically realized that everybody is at home and like, luckily now it's a little bit more hybrid, uh, which which I'm very grateful for personally. But back then everybody was at home. Uh, people were feeling dejected, a little bit demotivated. And really like what we all needed was a good laugh and like the opportunity to offload a little bit in what was quite a torturous time for many people. And we realized that there was a great opportunity to effectively have our own talk show whereby we, we signed on a local, uh, well, like a national a stand-up comedian over in uh, in Sweden called Messiah Halberg. And we had this sort of meta concept whereby, of course, his work has dried up. He's no longer touring the country. So he's looking to broaden uh, his experiences and get into the space of becoming a business thought leader. But the premise of him actually not really having any thoughts or any sort of leadership capabilities. So starting as an intern, and I say that within inverted uh, commas, 
uh, within the company, trying to learn the tricks of the trade within a business context, while also interviewing uh, business leaders from up and down uh, uh, the country in Sweden, particularly within Stockholm, trying to draw out inspiration from them. So we worked very closely with, for example, uh, Creandum, uh, one of our VCs, uh, supporting us and uh, with one of their partners, Johan Brenner, he was like actively involved, along with, uh, you know, many other sort of like scaling startups within Sweden as well. And the reason that we did that and why the, I think that it's landing, and luckily, you know, it's still an ever, ever changing, uh, growing beast, um, is that it was just so much at the right time, right moment to do something like that. And also to embrace a little bit more of a heavy um, Swedish focus, because funnily enough, uh, we are, of course, like Danish founded. And the only market where that's actually seen as a negative is in Sweden. Sweden and Denmark have that rivalry between them, right? So this kind of gave us an opportunity to place down some firmer roots within the market and be like, you know, Swedish from the ground up. Oh, that's, I mean, it sounds brilliant. We have, I mean, we have clients that talk to us a lot about doing something different and interesting and brave. And certainly the, the content I've produced that's been most successful has been brave, something that really stands out. How did you manage to convince the key stakeholders in the organization to do something that that's that different? Because I assume there's, you know, there's risks involved with doing something a little bit different and exciting like that. Yeah, I think, to be honest, it helps with whoever you have at the very top of the business, right? So our CEO and co-founder, Yipper Rindam, he's, um, you know, you, you've heard, I've heard a lot of this in the last couple of years, but like if your CEO doesn't believe in the power of brand and marketing, then you shouldn't be in that company. And luckily I'm in one of those companies where he really does believe in those efforts. And, you know, I think a lot of that takes heart and guts more than head. So believing that these things, of course, are a bet that you place but the opportunity that they can unlock potentially for you is, is, is actually worth taking that risk. So um, it was, I'm not going to say it was easy necessarily to do an initiative like that, but I think we were all really kind of excited, excited to see how that would land. And so far, I think we've been quite, uh, yeah, quite, quite uh, pleasantly surprised or not, not surprised necessarily, but delighted by the, the response it's been getting in Sweden. So you you said there about the response. Did you um did you set objectives for this project when you started out? You know what what are you hoping to achieve, and are you measuring that, and is it achieving that? Yeah, I, I should say that like we've now finished uh, at least season one of that project, so we'll see if we want to pick that back up again in the coming months. Um, I certainly hope that we do something similar to that because um, it felt like a felt like a, something quite distinctive for us in the market, but. We've been measuring it in terms of how actually our active customers have been engaging. So, you know, this is something that we've been sharing with our customers and not really taking too much of a lead generation perspective on this. And the reason for it is, of course, with our sort of CS team, we know that, uh, yeah, it's been a very fraught time for many people. So we kind of wanted to provide, you know, a five minute window within their nine to five to give them the chance to offload and actually have a little bit of fun. So it's really been within the sort of customer engagement side that we've been measuring this. I think that if we were to do this again, we would probably be a little bit more objective around uh, lead generation and sort of the, uh, the the press traction that we would be getting with something like this, which of course happened as well and, and a few different awards as well, which is really nice. But first and foremost, it was a direct to consumer or direct to our customer base that we wanted to achieve with this one. You have to make that decision at the front end with video, don't you, where video is an amazing uh, web communicating emotions and 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 creating emotional reactions amongst an audience, and that tends to be 
where we try and focus our efforts. Mm. Um, and so that's why this idea sounds so great. Um, but sometimes we get clients pushing, you know, for that direct lead generation from from video. And maybe that means taking a slightly different approach. Um, it, it sounds like you're already doing this. And I've certainly seen some of your ads on LinkedIn um, that maybe motion graphics led, for example, mm. um, and and driving people to make make a make a decision there and then. Um, what channels do you find best for that? You know, you're you're a B two B organization. Um, do you mainly stick with LinkedIn, or do you do you venture into other areas like Facebook? And have you seen that succeed? Yeah, it's actually the, the inverse for us. So you know, I, I mentioned that a little bit at the top uh, with our creative production unit. Um, we are yes a B two B, but we have historically brought in a huge degree of our uh, lead generation is coming from. Uh, inbound direct response advertising on the likes of Facebook and Instagram. So those that's our bread and butter for us, actually. Um, then, you know, followed by LinkedIn, and then we have slightly more alternative channels that we're exploring that probably less within the sort of video emotion context. Um, now, naturally, this is an area that if we were talking a year ago, it'd be very different to now. And with uh, iOS 14 changes and, and kind of considerations around data, it'll be interesting to see how we and many other marketers are impacted, uh, particularly in, on, on the likes of Facebook. But so far we can see, you know, uh, let's say a month or so into to that transition that this is still a very favorable channel for us and something that we will continue to invest in. That That's brilliant to hear. So many times I have a discussion with a client about, oh, well, we're B2B, so we have to be on LinkedIn uh, and mm. trying to explain that the audience is the same you know we, we should be focusing on who these people are where they are understanding that audience what they want to watch how they want to watch it the context in which they want to watch it it sounds like you guys have got that kind of under control which is really really refreshing to hear you know i, I should give full credit to our performance team that um you know we obviously work extremely closely with and in particular the creative production unit it's sort of the one half brand one half performance so it's a really interesting hybrid discipline that we're building there i think that that in itself is quite unique um but yes they're doing phenomenal work to make sure that we we resonate within those within, within those channels and i think what we're really what i would encourage other marketers to do is like really tailor uh, your messaging and your creative based on where you want to place it and not have a sort of, you know, one size fits all approach. I think that you, you kind of need to be a little bit more nuanced than that because while the audience may be the same from LinkedIn to Facebook, I think the, the mode of address can be different. So that's something that we also try to invest in as well. Those um those films you talked about where you had the um the Swedish comedian involved how what, how long were those films because the the other question obviously that we deal with a lot is how long should my film be um and the mm. trend has been to create shorter and shorter content which um you know based on the research that we've done isn't necessarily the right way to go if you're looking to increase dwell time on your website for example have you mm. have you explored that at all Definitely. I mean, if we take that project, uh, it's it was a really it's an education from the ground up for us. You know, I've never hosted a or not hosted. I've never produced a chat show <laughs> before, you know, so uh, that's something that was super interesting to, to explore. And I think we learned a great deal from that, like in both like positive and hard ways as well. But I remember originally our first episode is like around like the 12 minute mark. And we realized that within sort of like that series context the sort of having a standardized time limit was sort of irrelevant it wasn't um it was something that we cared about but not necessarily those that are watching you know i think the 
the the kind of quality of the content and messaging and yeah the storytelling overall will dictate the length as well so something that we realized that we were very comfortable with you know episode four being only six minutes and then episode five being 12. so it, we we kind of chopped and changed depending on what we felt was the kind of quality of the creative really um however you know we still do a lot and again back towards the performance marketing efforts we try to do things short and sweet and you know we do also try to keep it simple in particular with the sort of direct uh, more like product-led value proposition messaging the the swedish project that i'm outlining is probably uh you know an isolated case uh in terms of being a little bit more um, audacious and patient and and pushing pushing out something that's a little bit more un- unexpected what about um so you've talked about that being season one and hopefully sort of moving moving to season two and maybe even netflix one day you never know um <laughs> but what about the rest of the f- your plans for the future? Obviously, the f- the fintech sector is is crowded, and standing out is difficult, especially kind of in your particular uh, business. Have you got any plans to kind of stand out any any further? What what are your plans for the future? Yeah, sure. I mean, this is perhaps not exactly with the video marketing lens. So, um, if we can take it a little bit broader than that, one thing I'm really excited um, to explore in the coming coming months and, and probably into Q3, Q4 for this year. Um, again, kind of connected to the year that we've had previously, I think the, the lack of um, human connection, uh, like in real life connection with people, means that there's a huge opportunity for brands, whether in the sort of fintech, B2B or B2C space to do in real life experiences or experiential marketing. So that's something that uh, I'm really looking forward to exploring. We don't have exact campaigns or plans for that just yet, but it's something that um, it's not keeping me up at night, but it's certainly keeping my mind racing at night, trying to figure out what we could do there. That's something I'm really uh, looking forward to. Um, And then also, I think there's a big part around sort of bundling of services and doing that from not just a sort of product-led initiative, but also your brand and marketing perspective too. So considering those sort of friends of the of the brand, friends of the house that we have, and trying to do like co-branded efforts with them, whether it's around, you know, for us, what we're really standing for is the future of work or future of finance, but broadening that to make it a little bit more, um, you know, well-rounded for considering like a company like Pension V, for example, you know, like these companies that we're all kind of in the same space and we all kind of believe in the same things. So the opportunities, opportunities for partnerships are, are huge. Talking of partnerships, then um, the agencies that you do work with, and you know, we've already talked about the fact that sometimes you, you're working internally, and maybe that's easier to control certain things. But when you are working with an agency, sometimes maybe it's harder to to ensure that your culture is ac- accurately reproduced, that the the content that you're making feels right for the organisation. Can you tell me a little bit about how you choose the agencies you work with and what you look for in that agency? Hmm. So I think the first part is really um, understanding our product. And luckily, I think we have a very sticky product, you know, beyond the sort of aspects of, let's say, a Slack or a Zoom, uh, business spending, paying for stuff at work kind of hits many different departments. So people can really understand the pain point of filing an expense report at the end of the month. And then also from the finance admin side of having to approve of that expense report. So I think what we try to really lean into um, when, for example, we were looking for different agencies that say in Sweden is 
we may go into an initial conversation where we're looking for a creative uh, partner or aspiring partner, but at the very least, we hope we come out with a new customer because they we understand that their use case is so typical for like what we're trying to solve. Uh, like they kind of relate to what we're all about. So that's one thing, like having very quickly an understanding that they could benefit from our product or their peers could benefit from a product like ours. That's really important. And uh, I think you can quite quickly detect uh, if if an agency is actually interested in what you're doing or if they're interested in the invoice that they can send at the end of the month. So that's that's one key thing. And then I guess also in terms of the 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 way of communicating, um, both in terms of um, uh, not just with video, but like just tone overall. Like I think we, there's a real difference between being like intelligent and intellectual. And I feel like people don't want to be uh, sold to. And um, I, I don't want to feel like I'm in a meeting with an agency where it feels like I'm in a, a business class or a, or a marketing class. So being a little bit more on the level, which is also the way that we communicate to our customers as well. That's something that really resonates with me. And if that isn't there in the foundation, it's going to be very hard to find that, uh, you know, if we are halfway through a project. Yeah, we, I mean, it is ridiculously competitive out there, for, you know, for agencies. There are so many to choose from. And if, certainly the feedback I get from my clients is where do you even start, you know. <laughs> and I guess that chemistry, mm. that, the, you know, believing that they are genuinely interested in what it is you're doing and, and your customers is really important part of that process. And certainly you know the the again the best content i've made is where that relationship works with the client um because again a, a lot will buy on price and if it's it works both ways i would suggest so um the client needs to trust us and we need to trust them to to really make make the magic luke that's uh mm. that's what we're aiming to do right um brilliant so absolutely <laughs> Uh, I'll finish on um, just your your what you're most excited about over the next twelve months. I mean, obviously, it has been a tricky tricky year, and we don't quite know what where where we're going in the next twelve months at the moment, as far as the pandemic's concerned. But hopefully, we're going to kind of ease out of it now. Um, and you've said that there is an opportunity there, and maybe you've already answered this, and that you you're excited about getting there, getting out, and doing some live action events um but what else are you excited about over the next 12 months you know in general and this is not even from like the perspective of plio i'm just really looking forward to seeing companies and, and individuals like bounce back from this tough time and you know we've all been feeling that and what's so interesting to see is how we like change in this sort of hybrid working context is like the, the border zones between work and life are so blurred at this point with people working asynchronously or working from home. And I think that what is at least nice from what I can see from where we're working is that people are really presenting their full rounded human beings, right? Like they're, they're, they're presenting who they are outside of work as well as inside. So there's a level of trust that's being built there. And um, we can also see that within some of our customers as well, that, you know, there's, um, there's an honesty coming to uh, coming into the working environment, which which I'm really appreciating. Um, and then in, in terms of like the, I guess, more broader like marketing perspective, like you said, it's a bit of a um, crystal ball, uh, you know, kind of question. Like what, what, what do we expect uh, in the next six, 12 months? One thing that I know for certain, if we take like a month like September and October, um, 
probably the busiest periods for out of home activity, for TV sponsorship, for everything, right? The, the, those are normally the, the big months for, for many marketers. I think it's going to be bigger than ever this period, simply because there's just been a backlog of kind of creative ideas, maybe budgets, um, you know, projects that have been put on hold that people just cannot wait to unleash. So I'm just really looking forward to like grabbing a bag of popcorn and watching what happens there. And hopefully, you know, Plio being part of that as well. Absolutely. I know that we've we've had a few projects that have, that have gone on hold because of the pandemic that our clients are very excited about getting started. And it's almost as though it's, it's a reset um, the last 12 months and, and it's presented some really, really good opportunities, like you say, when we're talking about going out and doing live events, for example, where people are just just hungry for think for creative content maybe in a way they haven't been before so certainly we're mm. excited about that as well over the next 12 months despite having a few like initiatives that have been up and running for the last year of course like like you say some projects are on hold so i'm really excited to you know maybe by the time that this is uh, going live as a as an episode and then beyond that like people will hopefully hear more about Clio and be engaged with the brand whether you find us on facebook on tv or anywhere else um, but if people are interested, we are hiring all the time, as I think I mentioned at the very top, both in products, brand, marketing, everywhere. So um, feel free to reach out to me personally. It's luke at plio.io, and that's uh, E for Plio, P-L-E for Edward O. Um, you can also check out our website, plio.io, the careers page, and so on. And yeah, we'd love to hear from also not just people looking for, for new work, but like-minded marketers that kind of you know, as I said before, interested in partnerships and interested in sort of sort of standing for a new way of working, new way of spending and uh, hopefully like a future of work altogether. So feel free to reach out. Luke, thank you so much for, for your time today. Uh, I found it really interesting to talk to you. Um, so um, thanks for sparing the time and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much. Take care, Simon. Thank you so much for listening to the On The Button podcast. It's brought to you by Big Button. Big Button is a strategic video agency. You can find out more about our work at bigbutton.tv. I hope you can join us next time.